between a fly ball to right field. This one is deep. And it's gone! A home run! Walk-off winner for Alex Avila! Swing and a miss! He got him on strike! Oh, baby! You are listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Tiger Talk. What up, what up, what up, Tigers fans, and welcome to another edition of Tiger Talk. I am your new host, Tony Garcia, and I will be with you for the remainder of the way through this 2014 season. To my left is the one and only Anthony Fino Serafino. How you doing today, boss? Tony, not doing too bad. Good to be on Tiger Talk with you. It's uh, your inaugural Tiger Talk, so uh, a lot to talk about with the Tigers, but good to be here. Yeah, no, we have a good one planned today, and thanks for coming on again. No, no problem. Oh, officially two full months into the season uh, for those of us baseball fanatics. We usually say that this is around the point where we uh, start making our real judgments about the team. You can really see uh, their, their trends. Um, but first things first, the Tigers needed this off day today. Um, with, oh, yeah. With uh, just being able to muster nine hits over the last two games, being shut out yesterday. Uh, wh- what do you think of their efforts recently? Well, I mean, you could just, I, to me, Tony, it's a little fatigue when I see in this Tigers team. Uh, they go out west, the A's really whip them around. And I don't understand it, to be honest with you. I don't know what Oakland, I mean, in the playoffs, Detroit has a tame on Oakland, but it seems like they're always matching up against each other in the divisional series. Detroit getting the better hand both times. But in the regular season, it's been pretty Oakland, and Oakland's done a lot with less. Absolutely. I mean, that. I think once the movie Moneyball came out, uh, they, they just haven't really been losing since then. Uh, they're, they're backing up exactly what they stand for. They don't, have, they don't have a payroll. They don't necessarily have the names, but they have the team. And, I mean, it's miraculous what they've been able to do. That first game when uh, when we came in there and they just whooped up on the Tigers 10 nothing. I mean, th- there was really nothing you can say. Tigers bounced back after that with a nice win. And then uh, on the third game of the series was probably, in my estimate, the toughest loss the Tigers have taken this year, which was uh, Sanchez's absolute gem going into the ninth. Uh, you remember that one? Oh, yeah. But let me, be, let me get something off my chest here, Tone. I mean, the thing is, they split with Oakland in a four-game set. Realistically, the Detroit should win this series three out of four. Joe Nathan, yeah, an abysmal game you blow. Anibal Sanchez with a gem, as you mentioned. And Joe Nathan just giving up a three-run bomb and a walk-off home run. So when I look at it, Detroit let these – it doesn't really matter because Detroit will still win the division. We're kind of nitpicking at this point. But to me, this is a series Detroit will look back and, the, and say, you know what? We should have got it done against Oakland instead of splitting a four-game series. Absolutely, and like you say, it may not uh, end up mattering in the long run. The Tigers probably will win this division, um, but I mean, those are the—it's uh, those types of games. It's uh, the one, the one nothing games that—that's how they are decided in the postseason. There's not, there's not the nine to seven games where teams are coming back and forth. Once the bullpen is in, it's usually it's pretty firm, or at least should be, and that's been the Tigers' downfall for two going on three years now. That they haven't been able to. Close it down at the end of a game. Well, there's no doubt about it. Detroit has an abysmal, an absolute abysmal bullpen. And they got to figure something out, Tony. I mean, they really do because, look, they're obviously going to make the playoffs. But making the playoffs isn't the goal with this Tigers team. I would argue and say you don't win the World Series. The season is a somewhat disappointment. And to me, this stretch, this latter part of May, now we're in June, is really where Brad Ausmus is dealt his first bumpy or, you know, a first bumpy stretch as his 
tenure as Tigers manager. He's a novice rookie manager, a very smart baseball mind. He's fired up in some of these games, but when you look at it, to me, this is his first stretch, and it's about weathering the storm. The baseball season, the 162-game season, as you know, you're a baseball guy, I'm a baseball guy, and you know we're over quarter point of the season, and they're figuring it out. It's growing pains for this Tigers team. Yeah, you know, it really is, and... um. I mean, that's. I think that's going to be one of the most interesting uh, points of contention with this team is uh, who. I mean, there's no shortage of leaders and veterans. Let's get. Let's make no. that. Let's make that clear. There's Tory Hunter, Victor Martinez, Miguel Cabrera, all on the field. Not to mention Ian Kinsler with the pitching staff: Justin Verlander, MVP Cy Young, Scherzer Cy Young, Sanchez. I mean, the guys led the e- league in ERA last year, and I mean, he shows absolutely no signs of slowing down this year. So there's there's the guys who can do it. But as you mentioned, no Jim Leland, a uh, younger manager. Uh, adver- Adversity is going to be tough. But, I mean, I think the Tigers are, are in good hands with him. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I like Brad Ausmith. He's going to be a great manager. Jimmy Leland, I find it kind of comical because some fans liked him. Some fans didn't like him. Every time he made a move, they were so critical. But they were short to give him credit. I thought he had a good tenure as Tigers manager. But let's be, let's, let's, you know, let's be critical when we need to be. He didn't deliver the big one in Detroit. Absolutely, he didn't, and um, I mean, I think I think he realized that 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 fell short by his and everybody else's expectations, and uh, so that's why he he wasn't hesitant to really give up the reins, uh, especially to someone who used to play in Detroit, and uh, who knows what the Tigers are about. Um, so, I think I think all that uh, being said is is absolutely true, and Osmus is is here to get it done. He's here to get a World Series, and short of that this season. Um, I think definitely would be a disappointment. So, it's as you say, over a quarter of the, quarter of the way through. Mm-hmm. Now, just about a third. Um, let's let's look at it kind of more player by player. I mean, I would say Miguel Cabrera is back. That I mean, yeah. I mean, people were waiting for Miguel Cabrera to be back. I wasn't really one of those guys that was super worried about where is Miguel? Where is Miguel? I mean, the guy leads the team with forty nine RBIs. He, I'm pretty sure he leads the major leagues in RBIs. Uh, the guy's a monster. He really plays well. And to me, I don't think the story is Miguel Cabrera because everyone knew what you were going to get a Miguel Cabrera tone. I think for me, the big story is Victor Martinez's reemergence as a star and an all-star. 335 average, 13 home runs. The, OB, uh, the on-base percentage to me is exceptional, 390. And look, I think Victor Martinez is getting it done for this team. In 200 at-bats, he's playing in, fifth, you know, he's playing in every, almost every single game this season. Look, I think Victor Martinez is the guy that Detroit is going to lean for. And I'm not a big war guy, but offensive war, 1-6. So it's pretty good. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, you're just half a step ahead of me there. I mean, Victor Martinez is – can you say be – can you say someone's the MVP as a designated hitter? But, I mean, come on. The guy just – he hasn't stopped hitting. He has, uh, He's red hot He and has been since July of last year. In May, he hit 372. I mean, he's hitting for power and keeping the strikeouts down. 13 home runs. I believe it's still 13 strikeouts if he didn't strike out yesterday, mm-hmm. which I don't believe he did. Um, I mean, there, there's nothing more you could ask. He's doing it from the left side of the plate, the right side of the plate, hitting with runners in scoring position. Uh, I think he's – like yeah, I was not worried about Cabrera. Um, Victor was with the loss of Prince was going to have to be huge, and he's been even bigger than huge. I mean, he's been massive, Tony. You said it. Left side of the plate, right side of the plate. He's thirty five years old, and he's on pace at forty home runs, one hundred and four RBIs, on pace to bat three thirty five. 
So to me, out of a 35-year-old, that's exceptional. But you mentioned his versatility. He's a switch hitter. To me, he, he can he, he's the DH of this ball club, but he can play first base. And, you know, catching is in his repertoire. Nope, nope. Emergency needed. Victor Martinez can stand behind the plate. So he's a versatile player. I love it. I know. I love everything he brings. And um, that 390 on base percentage, like that's so marvelous considering there's no chance this guy's getting an, in, an infield hit. May, maybe one in a season that's a line drive that hits off a pitcher's glove and rolls foul that no one can reach. But, I mean, his hits are no no cheapies. They're no gimmies. Uh, he's, hit, he's hitting the ball all over the place. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's on pace to hit 40 doubles this year. So with 40 home runs and 40 doubles, oof. I mean, he's he's not going to hit Barry Bonds numbers. Yeah, it's pretty exceptional. You're looking at eighty extra base hits. <laughs> um, he's not, you know, he hasn't hit a triple this season, nor do I expect him to with his legs. But if you're on pace to hit eighty extra base hits, I think you're doing something right. Absolutely. And he was, uh, although he was with the Tigers for the last couple of seasons, uh, injury plagued that is. Um, he he was. In in a sense, looking to fill the void that uh, Prince Fielder left, and there was a lot of there was a lot of flack about that Fielder trade initially. I think all of that has been absolutely silenced. With well, let me preface this: I was thrilled with the decision. Not that I had anything against Prince. I was at the final game last year when people were booing him out of the park and I just, I couldn't stand it. Uh, you, you don't do that to anyone on your team, much less uh, a superstar, even though he was having a rough stretch. But that being said, Kinsler is doing more than I could have ever even hoped for. Oh, Ian Kinsler is playing pretty exceptional. And look, that trade did work out, Tone. I mean, it did. Prince Fielder is out for the season, fine. But when I look at Ian Kinsler from... A seventh inning or later in the game, talk about a little clutch factor. Ian Kinsler's batting 294. Now, that doesn't lead the team. That's actually fourth in the team. But when you're batting almost 300 in the seventh inning plus, I think that's what Detroit needs, a clutch factor, an offensive second baseman in the American League. He doesn't have a not-too-shabby glove either. Absolutely. Um, and we'll get a little bit more into that later. But, uh, I mean, yeah, he's, he's having the, his best statistical batting season since 2008 uh, when he hit 318. He's hitting just over th- 300 and ne- just near 300 in those late innings, which against relief pitchers and specialty pitchers, uh, those numbers are pretty much down for everybody unless your name's Miguel Cabrera. So for him to still be that consistent is, I mean, it's, it's marvelous. Um, another another offseason signing, uh, Rajay Davis, I mean – He's hitting he's hitting 288 and he's normally like a two normally career 260 270 hitter I believe and uh, I mean 16 steals that's that's unheard of for a tiger, a tiger? Two, two months into the season I, yeah I mean we talked about this earlier in the show Tony it's really the change of philosophy of a Jim Leland to a Brad Osment they're they're playing a little more National League baseball here. Wow, they're bunting, that argument of whether he should have bunt or not. Not Raji, but you're stealing bases, you're playing a little more small ball. And I love the clutch factor. To me, since my team, the Mets, aren't too clutch, the Tigers are in their big spots. Talk about Rajay Davis. He leads the team with a 364 average in the seventh inning or later in a game. 24 total bases later in the game. So to me, when I look at Rajay Davis, and not to mention five steals in the seventh inning or later this season. So when I look at that, I look at Davis and say, not only is Davis contributing, he's a, he's, I would argue this guy is probably one of the most improved guys on this team. No doubt. There's no argument coming from here. I mean, 
He's uh, he's doing it all. He's done it with his glove. I don't th- also because he covers uh, an an inordinate amount of range in the outfield, like only really Austin Jackson can in that spacious Comerica uh-huh. uh, ballpark. And yeah, I mean, in addition to his late uh, inning games, uh, with runners on scoring position or in, and on base in general, this guy's a different hitter. I saw a stat yesterday, um, or it might have been the day before. He was still at four hundred. When there's runners on scoring position, so he's uh, which wasn't even initially his job. Who Davis? Yeah, yeah, Raja. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, the thing with Davis is he, you look at where he's been. He's been in Pittsburgh. He's been in Oakland. He's been in San Francisco. He's pretty much been in the Bay Area. Uh, he was in Toronto last year for an, actually three years. He comes to Detroit. I mentioned how much he's improved. He's been last year at this. I mean, he hit two sixty last year, hitting two eighty eight on base, three twelve. He's hitting three three thirty nine. And the biggest stat is the swipes. And I, you know that's why they got him. Forty five swipes last year, sixteen swipes this year. Back to back years in Toronto, two thousand twelve, forty six swipes. 2013-45, so they knew Detroit knew what they were getting when they were bringing this cat in. He's a great player. He steals bases. He's doing the small things. And yes, you can't look at the war and the and the power stats. To me, when I look at Roger Davis's play good defensively and swipe and steal some bases, like that play back to the pitcher, just a throwback. You're taking second or third on a throwback to the pitcher. Those are the moves that Rajay Davis was brought in to make. Not just the speed, but also the heads up factor. Just, He's just a great it's, base it's runner. Just good baseball. Absolutely, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Um, offensively, those have, they've all been either excellent, all those guys we've just mentioned, or um, surprising or surprisingly good. But I mean, in my in my estimation, there have been a few people who have let me down. Um, namely, Austin Jackson was probably one of the first that have come to mm. mind. Um, with his move down the lineup, we were we were looking more for a little more consistency with that batting average because he was he's not he's not the on base percentage guy. He doesn't have the best eye. He doesn't take a lot of walks. So, uh, Osmus, I believe the mentality behind it was thinking moving him down in the lineup, getting Davis and Kinsler, these guys who can get on base and can really run. Um, not that Jackson's slow, uh, but he's not the same base runner as Davis. Uh, moving him down the lineup was supposed to help him out, and I mean. 240 batting average, 303 on base percentage. That's not what we're looking for. I know. There's no doubt about it. Austin Jackson has been a big disappointment for Detroit thus far. Season isn't over. You can't panic yet. But when you're only on clip for nine home runs and 52 RBIs and a lineup filled with power and guys that get on base, it is a little concerning. To me, with Austin Jackson, I always thought Austin Jackson could swipe more bases than he can. And he has the ability to. He's quick. But the problem is you can't steal bases when you don't get on base. When you're when you only have an on base percentage of three oh three, that's abysmal. So, you know, he's been struggling. And yes, I think Austin Jackson is better suited to be at the top of the lineup, but he doesn't take enough pitches and when you only have 19 walks this far in the season, you're not going to be in the top of the lineup. And with such a low on base percentage, they're just trying to get this guy going and get him on base. So for me, Austin Jackson's failures this season have been shadowed by the success of Victor Martinez, Miguel Cabrera being Miguel Cabrera, Ian Kinsler being somewhat impressive, Roger Davis being somewhat impressive, and even the emergence of J.D. Martinez. Yeah, that's, uh, that's another young guy who uh, we haven't gotten yet a chance to talk about uh, who – Ah oh, gosh, who who are they playing when he he stepped in in the ninth inning for I believe Romine was was at shortstop. Mm-hmm. The Tigers were down one, and Osmus calls him off the bench and right on Rod Allen's cue, he smacks it over left field and uh, tie, tied that game up. 
who uh, who are the Tigers playing out there? I can't remember off the top of my head. I believe that was um, I believe that was the Athletics. Uh, when, Those days. No, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, Martinez has got it done. Oh no, no, it wasn't. I apologize. That was uh, that was the Indians. Um, oh, that's right. And this that, this and, road and trip's that, been that, so long. In, in I mean, that, yeah. Sorry. Um, no, you're, you're that okay. was that uh, first game against against the Indians where he tied it up in the ninth, four four. They lost it in extras. Then the next day, in his first at bat, smacked another one over the part uh, over the fences, and the Tigers lost it again. But he's he's been a nice surprise. Yeah, I mean, you look anytime you can get some pop and just some good play on the bench from a guy like a JD Martinez that you don't expect anything from, it's going to be great. I mean. Look, J.D. Martinez's stats aren't exceptional, but you you didn't expect anything from this guy. You know, when you're hitting 263, whatever, you have two home runs, 11 RBIs, but it's that subtle it's that subtle good play that I talk about is just being a role player. You know, I always bring up the projected stats, but off the bench, six home runs, 35 RBIs, if he can increase that clip to maybe hitting 10 dingers and 50 ribbies off the bench, that's pretty good. And for a Tigers team that needs a little someone up to step up, Role players and utility players play a huge role in winning a World Series. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. The Don Kellys of the world, mm-hmm. the the Andy Dirks, uh, whenever he does. There's come a reason back. why the roster's 25 guys, Tone. It, exactly. No, uh, they all play. They all play in a, a crucial position, and that's in addition to the bullpen. I believe uh, was was the reason the Tigers weren't able to win any of these past three World Series. I mean, the the power's always been there. The talent's been there. There hasn't been those those plug-in-and-play guys to get it done. Well, Detroit, listen, Detroit learned the hard way that you can't slug your way to a championship. I know uh, the Cecil Fielder guys in that era of Detroit was trying to slug their way to championships. But the thing is, Detroit now would bring in Osmond, a National League guy, played for Houston more notably. Look, you bring someone like him in, and you bring that National League philosophy to the table. And look, when you play small ball, pitch well, good bullpen, I think those are the things that are going to bring Detroit to the next level, not necessarily slugging their way to victory. You deal fielder, you bring in a Kinsler, you're more fitting the mold of your team. It's getting better. The relief, the relievers are getting better. To me, two relievers to watch out for, Jabba Chamberlain, Al Albuquerque are two of your best relievers if you're a Detroit fan and your bullpen. And Phil Coke had a decent – I know he – He's been struggling, but he got an outing last night and uh, or yesterday, two-thirds of an inning for that Detroit Tiger team. And you know what? They did decent, and he didn't give up any runs. Yeah, we're moving on to that bullpen. Absolutely. I I, I can't wait to hear what you got to say on them mm. uh, in just a second here. But uh, be- but before I forget, um, to that Osmus point, and I, I don't think – I love the way he manages, and I love this the change of style. And – and the way he's doing it, it's not like he's doing it out of bias. He has he's seen both both ways to play. He was even when he was in the National League, he was he was playing with the swing and bees, you know, uh, uh, Lance Berkman and Jeff Bagwell, yeah, and Biggio and Jeff Ken and all those guys. Absolutely, yeah. No, he, he was playing with guys who could smack the ball out of the park almost at will. Not Biggio as much, but Bagwell. Um, yeah, Biggio but, still got 3,000 hits yeah, in the whole thing. Yeah, he did. God, God, could they hit. But, um, I mean, so he, he knows how he knows how to get it done, and I love that. But mm-hmm. all I'm going to say is bullpen, and I'll let you take it from there. I think the bullpen so far for Detroit has been an absolute disgrace. Uh, as I mentioned before, Jabba Chamberlain, Al Albuquerque have been the two, 
I'm not even going to say bright spots because a reliever, to me, a reliever, Al Albuquerque's 3.04 ERA is average. Jobber Chamberlain, who I thought was dead in the water when he was in pinstripes with the Yankees, comes over to Detroit, 270, leads the team with 11 holds. He's done a decent and adequate job of getting the ball to Joe Nathan, but Joe Nathan, is, I think, has been the biggest disappointment so far. The fact that your closer is a 5.23 ERA is a joke. Saves are saves. It's a newer stat. I understand he has 13 saves, but look at the attempts. I mean, I, I mean it's, 17 of them. Yeah, I mean, you're blowing four saves. Fine. I understand the closers are going to blow games, but the games that he's blown have been brutal. And on top of that, in, he has looked so Jekyll and Hyde some outings. One outing he pitches great. The other outing he pitches terrible. He's, you don't know what you're going to get out of Joe Nathan. It's going to be your kryptonite. But you look at his, he went in a stretch in early May when he wasn't giving up any, any earned runs. And then when he gives up earned runs, he gives them in clusters. Bunches. I mean, back-to-back outings in Oakland, the 29th of May, the 28th of May, two earned runs. One of them was a walk-off home run in zero innings recorded. You didn't <laughs> even get an out in that, in that game. So you blow your fourth save, fine, but... When I look at it, it's just he's they got to get it together. The fact that they won that game in Oakland on the 29th, they arguably should have lost that game as well. I mean, Joe Nathan coming in, pitch, 26 pitches, two earned runs. You scatter to a save, but it's almost like you shouldn't get one, Tony. I'm going to I'm going to throw this out. I've been saying this for over a week, even towards the end of that hot stre- hot streak that you mentioned in May when when he was getting out uh getting outs getting saves not giving up any yeah, runs. Yeah, got I like think, five straight saves. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it was even more along the lines of seven or eight without might have been. without yeah, without giving up a run. And so I mean it looked like he might have figured it out, but towards the end I mean th- these outs he was getting they're, they're hard hit balls. I'm watching line drives to Tory Hunter in right field and Kinsler making ranging plays each way and I mean he's getting shelled and 5.23 ERA. Come on. That's that's a joke. You are a closer. And he's not just giving up games he has one run leads in. He'll, he'll have a two run lead and and you'll go you into extra. Yeah, I thought it was only five straight tone, ten straight. Ten so, straight. Yeah. So when you look at it, yes, he was on a I understand people are gonna get wacky at times. But yeah, I mean, look, guys are gonna hit balls hard, fine. They're gonna get a little you know, they're gonna get a little mustard on your hit on your pitch. Fine, but that's why you got a defense. So I don't really, I don't really put a lot of substance into the, how hard the balls are hit. It's about making your pitches, but he isn't really making good quality pitches. I don't mind a screamer that's a line drive because you're pitching down and away, and he tags it the other way. Fine, right, right. but if you're getting the ball up, you're missing your spots, which he has been with the Vila. He's been all over the place. So to me, Detroit is going to come down to: is it are they going to get good play out of their bullpen? And if they do, this team will sail to 95. I predicted that this team would win 97 games, not 100, just because their division is terrible. Now, they're very lucky their division is terrible, but right now, are they the best team in the American League? I... No. I wouldn't say so. No, they're I not. Would say, I would say I would, that uh, the Blue Jays they're about to play are playing much better ball than that. I think, I think Detroit is the third best the team athletics. in the American League right now. A's are the best. I would put the Blue Jays because they're hot. And then I put Detroit because the Blue Jays... Burley's pitching excellent. Detroit doesn't have a ten guy. Wins. Ten wins. Already. He's ten and one. So and he just won he just won uh just won this past Sunday. So yep. when I look at it, I look at Mark Burley. I don't see the F any no start in Detroit is doing what Mark Burley's doing. So yeah. that's why I say they're a top three team in the American League. I don't put much substance to that, but it's just saying, look out, there's good teams in the American League. There absolutely are. Which um my idea was that uh, I meant to voice. 
Switch, Chamberlain, and Nathan. I I know it. It's bold. It's crazy. But just just thinking about it, Nathan Nathan has been the closer. Job has been the setup man. That's been the way they've done it for their whole careers. Uh, when they're when they're on separate teams for all the all those years up until this point. But I mean, Joe Nathan nine walks, twenty Ks. Jabba Chamberlain seven walks, twenty nine Ks. He's getting swings and misses. His ERA is two point seven, which is half of what Joe Nathan's is. I mean, I th- I think it's worth giving a shot. He's he like you said, it look it looked like he was maybe not going to find another team to play for after he was just struggling and drowning in what was the New York Yankee fiasco with him but don't even get me started with that but the thing with the Yankees the Yankees coddled and babied this guy with the Jabba rules they basically gave him a bib and baby formula the thing (laughs) the thing the thing with Jabba is maybe maybe but you committed the money to Joe Nathan and Joe Nathan is not going to be satisfied I understand it's not Joe Nathan's call but don't jump off the Joe Nathan ship just yet I understand the five ERA is kind of ludicrous or definitely ludicrous but with Jabba Chamberlain that's the one thing he's doing right now. He's a very good setup man. If I'm Detroit, I keep him. I keep everyone where they are now. If Joe Nathan is blowing ten games, that's a point we got to look and say, "Hey, this guy is not Papa Grande. He's not Kyle Farnsworth. He's not another crappy closer." You don't have to shift it around just yet. Four blown saves is concerning. I would keep it there. Jabba Chamberlain is finding a lot of success in your setup role. Eleven holds. He probably will have if. I would say he would have somewhere up to 35 to 40 holds this year. That's how good he's pitching and how well I would go with Jabba. Keep the hot hand, keep him in the separate role. I hear you. I hear you. And um, that's been that's been a very common and uh, reaction, and I I absolutely see that and totally understand. I just man, I was I haven't been on board with Nathan since day one, and and believe me, I've watched him carve up the Tigers in the Twins uniform for five years. I believe he. Th- had 29 straight consecutive saves in his first 29 chances against the Tigers before he finally blew one in his 30th uh, over like four or five years when he was in the Central. So I I know what he can do, but he's 37 years old. He's 39. 39 years old, thank you. Uh, had uh, had surgery. Uh, he, he's been moving around. I mean, his, his fastball is not the 95, 96 it was. It's more 92, 93 when he's getting up there. Yeah. Um, but okay, I, I I can buy it. I'll give him I'll give him two more weeks. No. I'll give you gotta give him, you gotta give him the All Star break. Okay, give okay. him the All Star break can, because can, when you look at how it, about Joe, a couple more blown saves. I said it. If he blows four, I said ten. But if he blows four to six more blown saves, you have to shake it up. Okay, and it's not just not just these one run, these one run leads like like the, these six to four games that like you gotta remember. You gotta remember I too mean, though, Joe God, Nathan. I can't do it this season. Joe Nathan has been very picturesque. Uh, it's 6-3. Joe Nathan comes in for the save. He gives them two earned runs. They win 6-5. Yep. That's still a save. It doesn't look good. Yep, yep. So although he's not getting blown saves, it's still alarming. It's like an Armando Benitez before he got crappy. So, but, but this is still Joe Nathan. <laughs> I, I mean, this is still Joe Nathan. Over 350 career saves, 354 to be exact. He's your guy. Stick with them. That's why you paid him the dollars. I'm all for it. For now. For now. I mean, you got to stick with it. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you don't want to break it up just yet. You don't have to hit the panic mode. Detroit is still in first place. 67% chance, according to ESPN's playoff predictor, to make the playoffs. Their division is terrible. I understand that Bobby or Jose Abreu was just activated for Chicago. I don't see Chicago making a push. They're wildcard contenders already. And when you're wildcard contenders in early June, 
uh-oh, there's a better team in your division. Yes, true, true. Um, we're going back to the starters now. Uh, I, I am the biggest Justin Verlander fan that, Are the, you? that there is. Yes, Justin Verlander is my favorite uh, player to ever pick up a glove or a bat. Um, I love his swagger. I love his scowl. I love the way he just the way he pitches, the way he attacks players, everything about him. I have never been so concerned about someone, and and I I was I was high on him early in the year. He was he started off great, but over his last four or five starts, they've all been rough. And his three point nine nine ERA, okay, still under four. That's in the acceptable range. Maybe get a throw a couple couple seven inning one run games, get it back down towards three. He's given up eighty three hits in seventy nine innings. His WHIP is normally one, and that alone in career, just hits. Well, his career whip is about 1.2. He's at 1.44 this season. so It's elevated. Yeah, it's elevated. And to me, the most concerning thing with Justin Verlander is, that's why you don't arguably you don't pay guys these big contracts. You always say that you pay the guys the big contracts because not for the future, for what they've done for you in the past. And the most mm-hmm. concerning thing is, his start at Baltimore, his start in Cleveland, his start against Texas, five runs, earned runs, five earned runs, and six earned runs, respectively. Three straight starts of giving five earned runs. So, and that start against Texas, he allowed nine runs. Six of them were earned. So he had no chance of winning that game. And when you look at it, he was five and four. He gets a win in Seattle. And that was a a, a promising start. You know, that start on the 30th against Seattle. I mean, seven, two thirds. That's three earned runs. That's a quality start. You'll take it. Seven strikeouts. You're right under four. Justin Verlander hears the critics very well. I think. This season, he'll get the ERA down to around three six three five and still win sixteen seventeen games. Yeah, I um I think he will, and I expect him to. Um, I think he's capable of nothing less. Expects nothing less of himself. I've just I've just I've just never seen him like his swing and miss stuff. It, it's not quite the same, and I mean has me has me shaking my head, has me kind of covering my eyes just because just because it hurts me so deeply uh-huh. personally to see uh, Justin struggle. But I have absolute. Confidence. I don't want anyone to misconstrue this and think that I don't think he'll turn it around. I think he's got it. I mean, just think about it. He's on pace to win 18 wins. I mean, I don't understand Detroit fans are just jumping off a cliff. I mean, you sign, if you can get 18 wins every season out of a starter, I understand that wins. Yeah, and I, I understand that wins now in the sabermetric era of baseball is like more, like more non inconsistent than ever. I don't care. I'll take 18 wins any day of the season. He's on pace to strike out 175 guys. It's not you. Know, you can't strike out two hundred thirty guys every season. Yep, yep. It doesn't make sense. So what you do? I mean, I'll take it. Thirty-seven starts. I'm getting eighteen wins projected at Justin Verlander. I'll take it. Barring an injury, he's still on pace to throw two hundred and forty-one innings. Seriously, he's still a horse. He's like, a horse. Yeah, this guy's a hoss. This guy's a great pitcher. <laughs> so to me, I don't have a problem with that. I just don't think he's the best pitcher on the staff right now. It's Stone. I I know, and I don't. I also don't think that guy's name. Is Max Scherzer either? And here's why. Uh, let me guess. You think it's Sanchez? Currently, curr- he's got a dead arm in April, bro. Come no, on. I, I know, I know. I was watching it. I was watching him early in the season. He had he had no velocity, and I mean, he was he was just looking dead in the right. Since he's been back from the DL, he hasn't had a bad start. He's uh, he got he got a an, I believe a no decision in Boston. He's He's got like a two and two record. You're talking about swings and misses tone. This guy Scherzer's on base to strike out, you know, Verlaine 175 guys. 
Scherzer, 275. I mean, he's on he's on pace to win the same amount of games as Verlander, 18. I'll take 18 and 6 with 272 strikeouts projected with a 3-2 ERA. Sign up for that every time. If Detroit doesn't pay him the big dollars, whoa, someone's going to pay this guy $180, $190 million. Rightfully so. It just won't be the Mets because they're broke, and I wish they would. But this guy is excellent. He's, he's excellent. A, the guy is a stud. He, is, he has... He might have the best stuff on the team when he when he's on, but he's I'm just saying gas. Th- this month. This month, I hey, look look at it a little closer. This month, he has been struggling. He's given up 16 earned runs over his last. Ah, three. but he had that one one bad start against Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, he had that's that true. one bad start, and like, he pitches on the first of June. He loses. The team can't even hit. He's striking out 17 guys. 116 pitches gives you two and two, six and two thirds. It's not a quality start because he gives you four earned runs, but they got three hits. Five earned in six in Oakland, uh, four he, earned in six and two-thirds in Seattle. I mean, th- he's had two bad starts, and you mentioned it, Tone. It was a start at Oakland, a start at Cleveland, 12 earned runs between those two starts. Other than that, you can argue that his other bad start, I wouldn't even say it was a bad start, was against, it was at San Diego, but he still struck out 10 guys and four earned in that start. Yeah, and that was way back on April 13th. Right. No, there, there's nothing— Nothing to be worried about. No, no flack here. I'm just saying, I I saw sure. Or excuse That's me, two I bad saw, starts. I saw Sanchez throw the best game of any Tigers pitcher this season, and I just I just like the the way his stuff is going right now. That's just, that's just me. I mean, yeah, sure. Of- he's. Been, I mean, what game was that? The game at Oakland. Yeah, yeah. The I, the Joe Nathan. Uh, oh, the blow. The yeah. I mean, that's a that's a complete. They game. should have left him in the game. I, that, they should have left him in the game. But the problem is with that; it's early in the season. I don't blame you going to your closer. I really don't. I know. I hear you. And I mean, I think I think Osmus was really playing that one by the book. It's a, it's a one run lead. He, he, you send him back out in the ninth you, he, until you you get him out until you know, until we, you get a base runner. Then you go with the fresh. We were run. talking about weathering the storm. This is what Osmus is doing. You know, maybe later later in his career, we don't know. But if he's dealt the same card with another pitcher that's pitching a great game, he's hot. You always stick with a hot hand in baseball. Everyone wants to play these books and these numbers. Who cares? Throw out the pitch count. I know you're not going to throw this guy's arm out. I understand his philosophy for taking him out. He's got 111 pitches in that game. Guy's got a dead arm in April, so you don't want to blow him out because apparently his arm's glass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's 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 been really the only knock on Sanchez is the durability. But, I mean, I— I mean, I listen to Tigers fans, Tone. They're—, they're it's ludicrous. They're saying this is the best pitcher on staff. No, no, I'm no, like, he's not. I'm he's like, not. come he's the on. Third. He's third. Without a doubt. No, yeah. And don't, and I. Let me ask you this, not to cut you off. Let me ask you this. Playoff series, one, game, game one, three. game he's two, game three. game three. Justin, Max, Annabelle. I agree. And people, would, and people would tell Se- you. Seven pe- days a week. And you know what I've been hearing? I've heard Max, Annabelle, Justin Verlander. Get Are you seriously here. about to pitch Justin Verlander in Game 3 without negating the possibility that he can throw Game 1 and 5? As much as we've been on the Max Scherzer train, he's my favorite Tigers pitcher. But still, I'm taking Justin Verlander in every big game possible, period. Always. Always until he's not on the roster. Just like James Shields, big game James. Big game James. James. I'll take James Shields in a big spot any day of the week. Yeah, you never go against that. Absolutely, and and I remember in last year's playoffs when uh, when it was the whole after uh, Justin was able to to get it done against Oakland, um, and and actually it was going into that game, people were asking me, should Scherzer throw Game Five or Justin throw Game Five? And where where is the question? He threw in two thousand. 
12 it must have been, he threw the complete game shutout in Oakland in game five. Yeah, that's how, correct. How are you not going right back to him? Well, look, you got to look at it too. They can come back and be like, Tones, quick living in the past. It's two years ago. I understand where you're coming from, but still, in a big spot, in a big situation, as much as been so. I've been literally on Max Scherzer's tail, just loving what he's been doing for Detroit. I'm still going with Justin Verlander in the big spot because that he is who he is. He's a big game pitcher, which is why you paid him $202 million over X amount of years. People are against the big contract, but I'm not. I mean, you got to lock your guys up because you know they're not going to fulfill the contract. You're paying them in the past. That's what Justin Verlander is. And if Anibal Sanchez can play better with durability, don't give me one start. He's pitched. He's had a lot of good starts. I would argue that he's had two good starts. The start against Texas, that was a great start, seven innings, and the start at Oakland. He's had two good starts this year. Give me a break. He's had a dead arm this season. Once Sanchez gets five, six good starts under his belt, call me. I hear. I hear you. I was right, right before he went on the disabled list. Uh, he he definitely didn't look right. But I mean. Since since then, I mean, yes, the the dead arm. I'll I'll give you that he hasn't he hasn't really he hasn't thrown a lot of pitches, but they that's because they're keeping it under control. But I mean, since he's off the DL, five <laughs> five innings, one earned run, seven innings, two earned run, eight innings, eight and the third, one earned run. Boom! I'll sign up for that with any pitcher any day. The promising thing is he pitched a great start at Oakland, 111 pitches. That's a season high for him in a game. But you knew that start at Minnesota, he looked like such crap. The dead arm, his arm looked like jello or glass or whatever. Didn't make it out of the third, right? No, he's two and two thirds. So it just looked like jello. You knew something was wrong. You throw him in the DL, retroactive to whatever it was. Look, fine. He comes back. He's pitching well. But hold your horses. He's giving you two good starts, don't. I want to see at least five, six good starts before we, before we make them the next Jesus Christ. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And going back to uh, that, that big game, uh, thing debate and uh, Justin versus Max. Uh, your your buddy Dan Dickerson had uh, mm-hmm. when on es on ESPN they they came out with some rankings of he was he big, was not happy some, because they were they were harsh on Verlander exactly they had him at number nine and here here are his reasons for uh, why Justin should be uh, number one. This is via his Twitter at Dan underscore Dickerson. Um, it was like nine tweets in a row, and I'm, I favored every one of them. He was going off. Uh, he comes up, comes up big in regular season. Check using win probability added. Kershaw's number one in last in last three years. Verlander's number two. No one else is close. Pitches well down the stretch for contending team. Check JV ten and three record with a two point two three ERA in seventeen games in last in September in the last three years. Postseason double check in two deciding ALDS games in the last two years, both on the road in Oakland. He's allowed no runs in 17 innings, just six hits and 21 Ks. And in ga- in seven games in the last two postseasons, 1.4 ERA, opponents hitting 145, and he's allowed one run or none in six of the seven games. I mean, done. I, I mean, I, rest I, my case. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. But it just goes back on what we were saying. Justin Verlander, when it comes down to it, he is a big game pitcher, period. And in the postseason, he's electric. I mean, three starts in 2013, ERA .93. How many starts? Three games started. How many strikeouts? 31. One and one over that stretch. Whip, .57. 2012, 2.22 ERA, four starts, seven earned runs, 29 strikeouts, three one in the postseason, fine. But in 2012 and 2013, it combined seven starts in the postseason, eight earned runs, whoa, 
60 strikeouts. Don't even get me started. The whip is .64 average. And you look at it, Justin, and the ERA is almost a melting 1.4 over seven starts in the last two years. Justin Verlander is your big game pitcher, period. And in seven starts in the postseason, nine walks. Unbelievable. He goes after pitchers' tone and strikes them out, or hitters, and he strikes them out. He even goes after pitchers in the AL, fine, in the NL, great. Justin <laughs> Verlander gets it done. And oh, yeah, 2012, you, that deciding game, it was a complete game. Yeah, I mean, you you made it easy on me. I cu- I couldn't say anything more, which is why I think he's going to turn it around uh, any second. Not that not that he's been bad per se. He just hasn't been vintage Verlander. And I mean, looking ahead, the schedule looks quite feasible. After back to back series at home against the Blue Jays and Red Sox, uh, the Tigs head out to play Chicago, then back home for Minnesota and Kansas City before going on the road in Cleveland. I don't know if you noticed those four teams. Those are all four divisional teams. 14 games, 14 days, all in the division. So when that stretch is done and the last game is in Cleveland, it's an afternoon game on the 22nd of June, the division's going to have a whole new look, for better or worse. I think for the better. I mean, yeah. I mean, when you look at it, but to me it doesn't really matter. This is Detroit's, Detroit's division is here. I mean, who can compete with Detroit in the AL, in the, in the AL Central? No one. I mean, realistically, you have maybe you give Chicago a chance, just maybe, and that, and I'm, and I'm being very generous. That is generous, and also if we're giving maybes, I'm I'm throwing Cleveland in there. They did kind of throw Detroit around at home. They went on a tear last September. uh, They got hot to win like. Over Cleveland's 21, not, Cleveland's 22 not games to outside of progressive field. Cleveland isn't winning. They're nine no. and nineteen on the road. You yeah. have to win. Yeah. In to me, here's my here, it's a maybe. It's you got to be at least five hundred on the road and have a winning record at home. If you do that in the major leagues in the regular season, you will go to the playoffs. You're in the playoffs, five hundred on the road, over five hundred at the uh, at home. You'll make the playoffs. Let, period. Yeah, I can't think of a division where that wouldn't hold true. Maybe a team in the AL East who. Detroit's in first teams. place, nine games over 500, 17 and 11 on, on the road, 14 and 11 at home. At least 500 on the road, check. They're six game over. What's their deal at home? Over 500, three over, check. They're fine. 65% chance of making the playoffs. 66 if you round up. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely see this Tigers team Perfect. making a deep, a deep run into a- October. A- okay, NL East, Mets division. Braves leading six games over 531 and 25. Doesn't matter. They have a 52% chance of making the playoffs, according to ESPN.com. 13 and 13 on the road, 500 at home, 18 and 12. Above 500, six over. And that's how they're six over because they're winning at Turner Field, period. Miami not winning, eight and 17 on the road, but they're 20 and 11 at home. That's not sustainable. That's not legit success. Just look at it like that, Tone. Couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, you got you got to get it done both places because you, you got to play both places all months, all the time. Colorado's another perfect example. Can they win outside of Coors Field? Sixteen and seven at home, great. On the road, twelve and twenty-one. Whoa, I, the splits are ridiculous. Yeah, yeah and uh, and have you seen what Tulowitzki's doing in Colorado? Is he yeah. still hitting five hundred when he's at home? Because 
That's, I mean, Tulo right. is just something else. They're first in the major leagues in batting average, first in slugging percentage, third in runs, third in on base. They have the best offense in the major leagues right now. It helps in that altitude, but, I mean, it's not like they do this every season by any means. They were atrocious last year. I mean, you look at Tulo, he's just killing it. I mean, 14 home runs, 350 average, 45 runs scored, OPS. I mean, it's over. It's 1.111. I mean, it's serious. He's just the real deal, but the splits are not legit with Tulo. So if he can do it on the road... That's what it comes down to is can these guys hit on the road? I mean, when I'm looking at it, they just had a wasn't too hot. He was batting he was batting 377. They go on the road, they go to Atlanta, they go to Philly, they go to Cleveland. He comes back to Coors Field, 350. Average drops 20 uh point twenty two. So send a notice. Yeah, there there it is. Um so who do you see as uh NL or AL, as since clearly you think uh, no one in the Central can stand in the Tigers' way. I mean, da- down that road. I mean, obviously we must. Are be we talking about season? Octo- yeah, we're talking October. Who who's that team? Um, if it's not, obviously Oakland is probably the first one that comes to mind. Well, but- I'll just do my very early predictions for everyone. I mean, I'll look at Detroit. Detroit will win the Central in the American League. I think realistically, I think the Yankees win their division. I do. I know that hurts you to say. It does. It's brutal. I can't stand that team. The Yankees won the division. Tanaka's pitching unreal. They're going to get healthy eventually. The Yankees will piece it together. They're the Yankees. I've seen this before from the Yankees. They're three games over. They're weathering the storm. Fine. The Yankees win that division. Oakland wins over in the West. Wild card teams. I like Toronto, and I like Los Angeles um, from there. And then a National League. Atlanta wins the East, unfortunately. The Central, I love, love, love Milwaukee. I think what the, I think Ryan Braun is playing committed, good, clean baseball. I think San Fran wins in the West. Wild card teams, Dodgers, St. Louis. But you're but you're buying into what what the Brewers are selling, huh? Totally buying into it. I think the Brewers are playing like I, I I'm watching their games. They are playing like a team that really wants to do something special this year. All the naysayers, all the crap they dealt with. Carlos Gomez is doing something else. They bring in Mark Reynolds. He's just a boom and a blast guy. Bloop and a blast. That's all he is. He's hitting 12 home runs. He leads the team. They're getting at a good anytime you get good anytime you get good offensive play from your catcher. Jonathan Lucroy has been great for them. He's hitting 317. I understand they play in a bandbox over at Miller Park. Look, anytime you get offensive play from your catcher, you're good. Giants got great stats at a Buster Posey. They win the World Series. It's no surprise if you get a lot. There's two positions to me on the diamond that are positions that if you can get if you can get numbers out of those two positions, Tone, you're gonna win. It's catcher and second base. If you can get production out of those two spots, you're gonna win. And they are. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think those are and even more that whole that second that second base thing is kind of also uh spreading into shortstop. Less and less production has been coming. Uh, I don't get over, that. Over, over the league from the shortstop. I know. Wasn't that always, like, as a kid, I mean, who didn't want to grow up and be Derek Jeter and just be that player? I didn't never want it to grow up and be Derek Jeter, oh, yeah. I'll tell you that. Yankee uh, bias. Um, <clears throat> never wanted to grow but up. What about, what about like, the shortstop? I mean, captain of the infield, That that's the spot. I mean, I know when I, mean, I was growing up, I mean, growing up, I had my shot. I mean, growing up, think about the guys, our generation of guys who were growing up. Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez. Cal Ripken Jr. These are guys off the tippy 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 top of my head that I'm thinking of. There's a lot of other great, uh, you know, great players. I mean, shortstop is a is a power position. Miguel yeah, Miguel Tejada. There's a lot of it's fading out not to be anymore, but it used to be. It's a different generation of baseball now more than it ever has been. But when you look at Milwaukee and what they're doing, 
They're not necessarily getting pop at a shortstop, but they're getting good closing with K-Rod and Fernandez. Uh, um, Francisco Rodriguez, yep. Kyle Loach is playing well, Carlos Gomez out in center, Reynolds, Lucroy, they're doing things right. And that's why they're sitting pretty at 35 or 34 and 23. Also, they were able to sign Matt Garza, who I thought was supposed to be the ace of the staff. Get this. Uh, He's struggling. Two, two and four with a 4.84 ERA. Imagine when he turns it around. What's I, that going to look like? Like I said, it, the, really, the Brewers' success has been pitching-wise – Kyle Loach is 7-1, and one, giving you a one-whip, 2-6 ERA. He's been more than you ever have asked for. He's 35 years old. He's on pace to do something pretty nifty. He's on pace for 20 wins, 20-3. and three. Last pitcher to go 20-3 and three, won the Cy Young. Mr. Scherzer? Cliff Lee. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, Scherzer won 21 games, 21-6, and six, if I can recall. Really? I think so. I might be wrong. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to we'll double-check that yeah. one. Um, but la- last pitcher I remember that went 20-3. and three, I think it was Cliff Lee, but it doesn't matter. It's still a great season. Oh, yeah, regardless of any way you split it. And I'd, I'd argue that Kyle Loesch, he might – that's such a quiet name. He might be the least valued pitcher in the major leagues over the last couple of Well, Loach has been a he, – Because he's been behind Wainwright and, uh, yeah, and he was, Carpenter. He was a, he was the, the best three in the game unless San, you throw Sanchez in there. Uh, no, we're uh, not throwing Sanchez in there. Sanchez, Sanchez is, is not the best three in the game. No, he ha- oh, he doesn't do any. He hasn't done anything so far. Uh, I you, oh my god, you should have seen it when they signed Sanchez to ninety million dollar deal. Detroit fans wanted to jump off a cliff. They thought it was the biggest robbery. Yeah. Oh, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about what he's paid. I think. I think that's that's over the top. I'm saying he led the, he led the American League in ERA last year for for a full season. That's that's not a joke. That's I. But he's I, done it for one year. Loesch did it for a couple years. Yes, in, yes. And uh, whatchamacallit, he did a couple years in St. Louis. Yeah. All I'm saying is a couple years, Tone, you est- you sent established. One year, two years isn't saying much. That's why people want to say Verlander's lost a step. People like Dan Dickerson are realizing that this guy's a big game pitcher. Yeah. That's why I'm not jumping off the, the Justin Verlander train. But there are people out there that are saying they'd rather have Anibal Sanchez versus Justin Verlander in a big spot, which is just ludicrous. Come yeah. on. Yeah, I can't have a conversation. Look, with look in the mirror and that. say that. The mirror will crack, yeah. please. <laughs> it will, yeah, the mirror will start, start talking back at you. Won't have anything good. Hopefully. To um, all right, well. Thank you for sitting down with me. Uh, I I appreciate it. Anything else yeah. you want to get off your chest? Check it. Um, yeah. So I just checked it out. Max Scherzer last year, twenty one and three. Twenty one and so three. I was right. He went, uh-huh. did win twenty one games. Close, but yeah. So no, I mean you win the Cy Young. I really like Max Scherzer and Max. There's always a spot for you in New York. But all I have to say is, Tone, good sitting down with you, debating Tigers. Tiger fans, relax. The season's gonna be okay. You're gonna go to the postseason and you're gonna win not at least ninety five games. I said ninety seven, but who knows? There might be a pennant or even a World Series championship here in Detroit. I see it very similarly. Thank you all for taking the time to sit down. That's all the time we have on Tigers Talk. For Fino, Anthony Serafino, I'm Tony Garcia. Go Tigs.